Hello, and welcome back to the Wedgeworth Leadership Podcast. My name is Kevin Kent, and I'm excited to be joined by two Class 11 members today for the episode, Derek Hendry and Michael Hill. Traditionally, we've selected class members to contribute to a blog post or a newsletter in which we include in the Wedgeworth Wire. But with so much to impact from each seminar, we thought we would continue our conversations and reflection in a podcast in order to share our experiences with everyone, whether you're in the field or on the road. Today's episode is part two of our reflection of the National Seminar, where we travel to Washington, D.C., Gettysburg, and Kentucky. In this episode, Derek and Michael will reflect on our time spent in Kentucky. But before we get started on reflection, let's get to know Derek and Michael a little bit more. Derek, let's start with you. Introduce yourself and tell us about your involvement in agriculture and natural resources. Uh, My name is uh, Derek Hendry. I'm from Venus, Florida, which is in the southern part of Highlands County. Um, I am engineering manager at Likes Brothers, which is a large landowner in the area, has cattle, citrus, forestry, um, some farming leases, and also some dispersed water management projects. So uh, I help oversee project management and irrigation and drainage and different things like that over the property. Uh, My family also has a cow-calf operation um, in the area that um, I help assist with as well. We've got about 600 head of cattle um, down in uh, Venus, Florida. Um, so. Awesome. Thanks, Derek. Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, and your involvement in agriculture. Yeah, I'm Michael Hill. Um, I'm a fourth-generation farmer uh, in Lake County, Florida. live in Mount Dora, Eustis area. Grew up around uh, vegetable industry, sweet corn, carrots, radishes, around that, uh, farming on the muck on Lake Apopka, uh, late 90s. Uh, Had to make a transition, um, and after college, started growing blueberries on my family farm. And uh, now, uh, um, I'm the owner and manager of H&A Farms, where we are predominantly a commercial blueberry operation. We grow uh, blueberries, our own assets. We also manage assets for other, other people. And then we also pack and distribute fruit, uh, to the retailers, um, nationwide. Uh, we also grow strawberries and recently green beans. Uh, we're diversifying in some other crops as well. Um, but that's about it. Awesome. Well, earlier in an earlier episode, uh, Philip and Carlton kind of recapped um, a, the first half of our national seminar experience, and that was our time in D.C. and Gettysburg. And so our conversation today is going to focus on the second half, our time spent in Kentucky, um, and which was eye-opening. Um, uh, and, you know, just to hear conversations about our experience there with other class members, I, I think everyone enjoyed the trip and in saw a lot there and that was similar to Florida, but also different. And so I'm excited to hear what you guys um, have as big takeaways um, from our uh, time spent in Kentucky there. So Derek, let's start with you. Let's hear your first uh, big takeaway from the trip. Sure. So, um, you know, on the first day um, that we kind of had some uh, programming in Kentucky, um, we visited uh, some of the, uh, the Ashford stud farm, and um, as well as the Spark Community Cafe. And um, one of my takeaways from that is, is you know, in, in that part of Kentucky, um, you've, you've got obviously some, some wealthy people 
um, you know, on all these uh, stud farms, you know, breeding these. Uh, but, um, you know, you've also got some, some lower income people in that same area. And um, they just had a real good sense of community there um, and, and people helping people. We went to the Spark Community Cafe, which was a, a nonprofit and just strictly accepts donations um, for food there. And, you know, they spoke about that um, had it not been for a lot of uh, the, you know, racehorse breeders and stuff in the area, that uh, they wouldn't be where they were today. Those people, you know, come in and help support the cafe and uh, help pay it forward for some lower income people um, that, uh, you know, come in there and, and perhaps can't afford food and different things. And um, just the, that whole, you know, community um, supports so many other industries beneath it, uh, fence builders and landscapers, you know, they all have, want to keep these farms immaculate. And by doing that, it helps, you know, almost the whole, the whole community um, stay, stay supported through the different, you know, work and um, uh, trades that get spun off of, of you know, uh, breeding these racehorses. And I, I thought that was really interesting. And, and the people that are, you know, at the top understand that very well and um, know that if it, if it wasn't for some of those other people, um, you know, that they couldn't, they couldn't do what they do. So I, I thought that was a, a real interesting outlook on on that part of the of their industry there in Kentucky. Yeah, it was really uh, refreshing to see that sense of community that you mentioned, particularly um, you know a, across the you know the area, um, the economic status, like everybody was coming together there. And I don't know about you, but I started following the Spark Community Cafe on Instagram, and their food looks delicious every time they post something i'm like man that looks really good so just to hear their story and their success and that everyone's buying into it and and willing to pitch in and support uh, that community there is really exciting michael what was uh your uh one of your big takeaways well kind of working like Derek did we got to see the stud farms and and spark community cafe we got into in into kentucky on a saturday um and uh, first things we did, like like Derek just talked about, those are the first couple places we went. And uh, and then on Sunday, we, we as well went to Keeneland, uh, uh, the horse racing facility there and, and uh, outside of Lexington. And, you know, for me, I had never been to one before. And so that was a real eye-opener. It was also a great, you know, right in the middle of the – of the whole national seminar breakup. I, I think we got a lot of camaraderie be, between our classmates just during that event, but, you know, getting to see the stud farms and then getting to go and see really what I would describe as a way of life for, for most Kentuckians probably in that area, because if you can imagine it's, it's more of a rural type, uh, you know, setting background. And, and that's, that's what they do on Sunday afternoons is, is they, they go to the racetrack and uh, and they support all the farms. They're they're they've grown up around it, and that's that's really uh, a way of life for them. And uh, a lot of fun. It was it was uh, definitely a first time experience. I'll never forget. Um, but just seeing.
understand how it all kind of ties together, like Derek talked about. I mean, you're, you got an industry that's, you know, kind of a high value industry um, that is supporting the rest of the community. And that's how, at the end of the day, how it, it pays for itself is, is, is there at the racetrack. Um, so, you know, that's just one of many takeaways, but, you know, kind of starting out the trip, that was, that was uh, a very good way to see how it's all tied together. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It was fun to hear everybody's betting strategies in terms of those that had any type of uh, horse betting experience or for those that like me that just, uh, you know, betted on the on the cool names or the best names. It was fun, I think, to see everybody uh, come together and, and have a good time halfway through the, the trip there, like you mentioned, um, but also to see, you know, that again, that that impact that the community is having, that the industry is having um, to bring, you know, everyone together. Um, they're, they're in the state. Derek, let's go back to you for your next takeaway. Sure. So going just kind of down the schedule, you know, the next day on Monday, um, after, after being in Keeneland and stuff, we, uh, we saw some of the coal country over there in Eastern Kentucky. And, you know, one thing that, uh, we talked about among ourselves as, as classmates that, that we really saw from there was, um, they don't have a the, the coal industry has been extremely impacted by government regulations um, you know over the past few years and uh, everything moving to natural gas and the government's given a lot of these these power plants and different things big big incentives to convert to natural gas and it severely impacts the coal industry and their price and but none of them were really blaming them for that and they didn't have a, a woe as me mentality they you know were putting their heads down and you know they were um, figuring out what else they could do on their land to, to be profitable we went to apple atcha where they um, had a reclamated coal mine and uh, were planting an apple orchard on it um, to try and diversify and, and get some income on that um, as well as uh you know, App Harvest, which was a huge uh, indoor growing facility that um, is, uh, you know, helping to provide uh, a lot of, uh, you know, jobs to uh, people in those areas that, um, you know, previously may have been employed by the coal industry. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was, that was very interesting that, you know, I thought that maybe we were, we were going to go into that and we were, you know, for lack of a better term, going to hear a bunch of complaining about how it wasn't fair and how hard it was and everything else. And, and we didn't hear any of that. They just, you know, were looking on to the next thing and, and keeping their head up and, and staying positive and trying to figure out a new way um, to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and grateful. I think we, we saw a lot of folks that were grateful for, you know, the investments made in the community to um, to bring those jobs in, different jobs in different sectors and across the board there. But um, it, it was it was nice to see that, you know, I think I think back to uh, even some of our own issues regarding regulations in our state and stuff. And could we ever see ourselves in, in a, either a certain sector or or something where you know, regulations cause something like that either to a sector of our industry or 
or a particular or market here in the state and how could we recover from that and would we have you know the the industry step up and try to bring additional opportunities in there. I, I was trying not to think of that in terms of looking into the future if that were to happen to us, but it was nice to know that there are opportunities in case something like that does happen um, to, you know, it happened to them because of coal, uh, but it may be something else um, for us later down the road. Michael, what was uh, your one of your next takeaways? Yeah, you know, Looking at Kentucky and, and, you know, some states are equivalent. I think Florida is very diverse. I mean, I think we all know that Florida is extremely diverse, one of the most diversified, you know, agricultural states. And and, and kind of getting to see the, the entire state of Kentucky is very similar. Um, you know, uh, the diversity within the different crops grown was uh, extreme. Um, but then at the same time, um, I would say that the diversity in how well um, organized some of the different regions that, that, that grow are, for example, you know, we were in the coal country and it seemed like, you know, there's the bigger companies that are, you know, doing different things. And then we went to the very poor uh, areas where I didn't know how they were making ends meet, but then we finished up at Christian County, which is very, you know, heavily row crop corn and, and mm-hmm. soy and things like that. And, and they were very well organized machine. Um, so yet you saw that diversity there too. Um, so you saw, you know, the equine industry, the, ra- the, the horse racing industry and the coal industry, tobacco, you got um, uh, row crops in a big way, very, very big way with, you know, very new, new equipment and, and all the all the new sprayers and things like that. So to to farmers that are just trying to make it with a hundred member CSA um, in the poor region. So I think just the diversity, because when you go to a lot, you know, Midwestern States, it's a lot of the same thing over and over. And we're used to diversity in Florida, but you don't really think of that in Kentucky, or at least I did not. Um, And so I think all in all, big takeaway is just their extreme diversity and, and their resilience as well. Kind of like what Derek said with, uh, all the government regulations they've had and how they've just put their head down and figured it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have our issues um, in Florida um, due to due to our diversity and um, just with it being a diverse state. Um, and although different issues, Kentucky had their issues as well. And like you said, they, they just they really were able to come together as an industry um, and sit down and talk things out and come together with one voice to help, um, whether it was policy or regulation. I think we saw that a couple times um, when we met with um, different government officials or those um, representing the industry or, or the state there. So that was it was exciting to see that they were able to overcome their challenges and issues by sitting down and talking them out. Derek, let's, uh, let's go back to you for your next takeaway. Michael touched on on the diversity that that all those different industries have, and um, one thing that I I noticed while there is um, they're all diverse, but but they know that they need each other to survive, um, so to speak. You know, within their little niche industries and, and overall as a whole. Um, on our uh, our last day, whenever we were in a um, Christian County, um, as Michael pointed out, you know, we listened to a panel and 
you know, everybody was, they may not have been the grower, but they were inside the industry. Either they worked at the mill that, you know, needs the growers or they worked at, you know, the place that was using the products from the mill to manufacture things. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, whenever they go into hardships and the price is down and this and that, you know, they need each other to survive. And, um, you know, going back to, you know, even to the first day, you know, in the horse industry, you know, the, the stud farms need the landscapers and need the fence builders and the fence builders need the, need the horse farms. And, um, you know, all of the different industries are kind of based around each other. And so it gives them kind of a sense of camaraderie that they know that they need to work together and that they need every, everybody else to survive. Um, so I thought that that was, that was interesting. And we even saw it in the, the logging industry. I mean, the guys that are out there logging, um, are getting better prices for some of their wood because the bourbon industry is doing so well and they need the white oak to, you know, manufacture the bourbon barrels, um, to, to age the bourbon in. So, um, cool to see how everything, you know, was kind of connected in one way or another. And, and they realized that and, and helped each other out because they, they knew that they all needed each other to be successful. Yeah, I agree with that. And Michael, before we go on to you, I'm going to ask you guys a question. You both can chime in on this. You mentioned that camaraderie, and we saw that clear um, uh, several stops um, in Kentucky. What? How do you think we could achieve that here in this state? Do we have a sense of camaraderie here? Um, are we lacking that? Um, are we working towards it? What do, you, what do you think are steps that we could take to develop that same sense of camaraderie um, or is it just our, our our sectors are too diverse? Yeah, so I was actually going to, that was going to be my next takeaway was looking at a state that is diverse like Florida, right? Like Kentucky, as we saw, uh, like I said, which is an eye opener to me because if, if you're not, if you're not in that state, you don't realize it. But one thing that I did see, because whenever you do have a diverse state, you have a lot of different agendas. And so, for example, going back to the Iowa, if you're in Iowa, you you know, the, the State Farm Bureau, so to speak, if I'm going to say an organization, is going to be very heavily geared to uh, lobby towards uh, corn, because that's the majority of the ag, ag industry in that state. And then whenever you have diversified ag sectors within the same state, you know, an organization like Farm Bureau, you know, because you, you can only go after a certain amount of policies that you want affected or enacted in each session or, you know, and, and, and you can only, you got so many balls in the air, so to speak, as, as a, you know, not to throw shame on Farm Bureau, but it's, it's a lot of balls in the air to try to, to try to coordinate with all the different industries. So what Christian County did was they, formed a Christian County, I'm going to butcher this name, but Ag- Agribusiness Association, I think it was called. I can't quite remember the name of it. And they're basically taking all the ag leaders in their in their county, which is very much tied to corn and grain and, and soybeans and things like that. And they are getting the ear of the um, 
the policymakers and they're bringing them down and they they had they had a they had a building where you could sit down and, and have lunches and things like that so because it was i i took it away as because it was a diverse state they they came together within their county to really to make to make a move because when that like going back to your question when you have that much diversity you kind of have to do that to uh kind of protect your own little county so I think you saw some of that too, although there's a lot of camaraderie as a state. They did realize that they had to form these, these separate you know, associations to get this, the voice that they wanted to get heard heard. Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate your thoughts on that. It, it, you, you know, you, you see it. It was, it was nice and refreshing to see camaraderie there. And you know, I know that several of us would sit in the room like, why don't we have something why, why can't we get to that point um, here in Florida? And I know that we've got some we've got some work to do there to make sure that we have that unified voice when we go to have an impact on policy there. Derek, did you have any comments on that, or did you want to go go ahead with your next takeaway? Um, no, I mean not. I think Michael hit the nail on the head, but um, you know, I, I think that we have some of that in Florida. We just. We just don't kind of open our eyes and see it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And um, especially, you know, somewhat recently, um, you know, agriculture has had, had a little bit of a, of a target on its back um, with some of these water quality issues and things that we're seeing around the state. And, um, and you know, we can kind of use that, you know, to, to bring us together. And I think we're going to have to. Mm-hmm. if we're going to protect our industry. Um, so, um, you know, that that may be the opportunity and, and the building block to help get us all on the same page. One of the other things I saw, you know, we, we talk about development and stuff here in Florida. We, we went to Cheney's Dairy Barn, um, which is right in the middle of all this development around it, um, you know, similar mm-hmm. to something you'd see in Florida. It's like, you know, subdivision, 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 and then all of a sudden it opens up and you've got this this dairy, this small dairy, you know, um, in the middle of, of kind of this open open land with, you know, subdivisions all around it. But they're making it work, and they found themselves a niche market, um, you know, and opened up a little shop there, and it, it's world-renowned and, and they got people beating down the door to get in there and buy ice cream. And now they're processing their own milk and selling it at the local Kroger and stuff. And, um, you know, we, we met the, the, the owner and, and they've got, got, uh, no plans to, to change anything or move or, or sell out, um, whenever they're probably getting calls to all the time. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, a, an example of something up in Kentucky where we see, we see similar things down here in Florida, and um, it was it was kind of nice to um, to see somebody who's who's fighting development um, up there and, and who's you know putting their head down and working towards it and, and work keep working and not letting it discourage them, so to speak. Um, so it set a set a good example for I think some of us Floridians um, who deal with that down here as well. Yeah, it was. Nice to see that it wasn't just the beaches uh, creeping in or, you know, Disney World creeping out. It was happening in Kentucky, um, you know, and just 
residential space. And, and so it was, it was a great an example to kind of relate to, um, particularly for us, because we see that so much here um, in our state. Michael, let's hear uh, your final takeaway. Yeah, I mean, I would say a couple things. Um, you know, one thing that I'll, I'll say is just, you know, and this doesn't have to relate so much to Kentucky, but I just saw it when I was in Kentucky, is that, you know, I mean, we talked to some successful people over there. There's obviously, you know, agribusinesses there that are struggling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we talked to some, some leaders and things like that. And I, I think that, you know, it kind of exemplifies that, you know, hard work, is, is everything, right? People who work hard and, uh, you know, do everything they can to make the right decisions, you're not going to substitute hard work. And people who work hard are successful for the most part. And I just, you know, I just wanted to point that out because we talked to some very successful people there, but it wasn't because, you know, they fell into it. It's because they work hard. And uh, that doesn't change anywhere you go. Um, so, it's just, it's, it's something that I saw, right? Um, for example, um, you know, uh, we talked to a couple guys in Western Kentucky um, that uh, had tried growing hemp. There was a grain farmer and a, a coal fire, a dark fire tobacco uh, farmer, which um, this was the, the largest coal fired or, or dark fired or coal fired tobacco uh grown in the or grower in the world he grows around 300 acres of this stuff i think there's only or maybe 400 acres now and there's about 550 acres total grown in the world which is the tobacco used for snuff and copenhagen and things like that um but uh it goes back to just i mean he has learned something that no one else can really uh perfect and he is he's he's he hasn't having to bring in you know, 120 H2As in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, to get this work done. And um, and you could tell how, how much work he's done, blood, sweat, and tears, and, and he's to make himself what it is. So, um, you know, nothing substitutes that. No matter where you are in the country, no matter what regulations you have thrown at you, at the end of the day, hard work is going to get it done and, and what makes it successful. And, um I definitely saw that while we were there. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great point to bring up and it, and refreshing, encouraging, right? Like I think we saw that and you, everybody had a sense, you know, that they were encouraged or motivated to go back and, and continue um, fighting the good fight. Um, Whether it is regulation or, or policies or, you know, uh, you know, moving, you know, into this post COVID, um, uh, time frame that we were, that we're working with there. It's, it, it was refreshing and encouraging to, um, to see that, you know, people were working just as hard as we were or, or harder, um, in, in making, in making things successful. Um, so let's, let's wrap things up with two questions, uh, for you. Um, I would hate, uh, to not talk about, uh, DC and Gettysburg at all. Um, so I'll just ask each of you, um, what was one highlight and that's kind of challenging to come up with one thing, but what was one highlight, um, from the other half of the trip? Um, and that was, um, DC and Gettysburg. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, Gettysburg, I think was, was amazing. Um, not that Washington, D.C. isn't, but um, 
you know, just one of the stories that I've shared with other people who asked me about the trip, um, you know, was, was whenever we were at Gettysburg and, um, one of the gentlemen giving us the, uh, the tour, um, had actual journal entries from one of the, the generals or majors at the battle and was reading his account of it. And we're standing in the exact spot where that had happened. And, you know, the guy writes in his diary or his post-war journal about how, you know, he was taking enemy fire and he had to crouch behind a rock. And you're sitting there on the side of this mountain that's, you know, became a national park shortly after the war. So, you know, nothing's moved. And, you know, you're looking at these rocks that are right down the hill from you. And, you know, you know, that's one of the rocks he was talking about, man, you know, back in 1863 or whatever year it was, he was, he was sitting right there and it, it almost gave you goosebumps and um, to, you know, relive some of the scenarios that, that those guys who were probably, most of them no no older than us or younger were having to go through and, and make decisions as, as leaders um, whenever, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, talk to their, their supervisor um, or the people beneath them um, was, was really eye-opening and, uh, and amazing, I thought, and really, really puts yourself in perspective of, of the, the stresses and, and the, the things that happened in war and and happen to think on your feet and and the consequences um you know if you if you make one mistake or the consequences of of many mistakes adding up over several days yeah i you know talking with others i think everybody really enjoyed our time in gettysburg it was a really cool way to incorporate history and leadership and strategy you know and we were the first class to ever um do that particular um, part of the trip there in Gettysburg, and I, I can, I can definitely say that we'll definitely not be the last because I think everybody had such a, a good um, experience there, a valuable experience um, um, there with with those guys. Michael, did you have a one big highlight from the other side of the trip in D.C. and Gettysburg? It was my first time to both places. I've uh, never been to D.C. and never been to Gettysburg, and they were both awesome. Um, talking about Diamond Six and Gettysburg. Kind of talk quickly about both of them, but you know, just the way uh, Diamond Six Leadership Group tied everything together on the decisions that were being made that day and how they relate to business and um, and how, as being a leader, how making decisions impact so many things in life. How if different decisions were made that day and different people would have been in those different decision-making places on the battlefield, how it would have been a completely different turnout in the, in the, in, and where, and we probably wouldn't even be standing there that day because the entire history of the country would have changed. Um, so it makes you, it, it opens your eyes that every decision you make, you know, as a leader in your industry or in your, in your local community or within your business uh, is affecting somebody someplace somehow. Um, and it just, it just, they did a really good job way of uh, tying it all back together. So it was eye-opening for me. It's, you know, something that everybody knows, but when you tie it to a historical moment in time that changed the fate of the United States, it really opens it up uh, for you. Um, and then with, with DC, I mean, going to see the, the Lincoln Memorial, 
uh, was something that was incredible at night. And got to, we did the tour, the DC tour uh, at night, and got to see all those monuments. Um, you know, something that that's you know, uh, unless you've seen it, and everybody who's been there knows what I'm talking about. But unless you've seen it, you don't really understand it. Uh, was was pretty incredible. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues that we're facing in DC right now, and it's kind of a mess if you ask me but to, to know what our our founding fathers went through to to get it to where it is now and 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 only 200 little over 200 years where we're at now compared to where we were is kind of upsetting to be honest with you but um it takes you back to what all they went through to get it to, to where it is yeah that's always one of my favorite parts of dc you know you know, sometimes it's 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 almost discouraging to make a trip to D.C. knowing that you know there's so much um, divide and 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 everything that's related and associated with that. But if to see the history there, um, to see the monuments, and just to you know think about you know exactly what you said, what our founding fathers went through. Um, you know, the, just the prior struggles and challenges our country has been through. It's always encouraging to, to kind of see that and, and, you know, re, you know, you feel like you can make a difference. You just got to keep trying and fighting the good fight there. One last question. Uh, you know, we're, it's, we're starting to wind things down in class 11, which is, is kind of crazy to think about because we've been at this, uh, together for a while now, uh, and so we'll spend some time in Central Florida and Miami coming up. Then we'll come back to Gainesville. And then next summer, we'll be traveling to Morocco and Portugal. So I'm just uh, curious to hear each of your thoughts on uh, what you're excited about um, in terms of our international seminar in Portugal and Morocco. Uh, Derek, if you want to start off with that. Um, I'm really excited just, just to see the the different sorts of agriculture in those in those countries and those communities and and that's that's one of the things that I love about Wedgworth. I mean, you know, whenever you whenever you learn about someplace, most of the time, you know, what crops are grown there and and you know what sorts of agriculture in those areas usually isn't on the bullet list, you know, of what the place is famous for, whether it's a country or or a location in the state of Florida. And um, so I'm excited to see that, you know, we're just, you know, what are they even growing there? How are they growing it? You know, other countries, you know, do things so much different than we do here, whether it's more advanced or, or less advanced and, um, you know, getting a different take on things. Um, you know, a lot of times we, you know, complain about how hard things is, how hard things are here in this country for one reason or another. And then, you know, you go, other other places and and everything's still done by hand labor um and you know kind of put puts it back into perspective that uh maybe maybe things aren't as bad as as we make them out to be sometimes so uh that's that's what i'm really excited for is just to to see um you know how those people over there make a living um you know in in agriculture and and how the process works Michael, what are you excited about um, seeing in Morocco and Portugal? Well, you know, I've never, uh, I guess, never been there. Been to Europe one time, but uh, never been there, uh, Europe and Africa. But uh, it uh, definitely looking forward to it. You know, there's a lot of 
differences um, between the two countries. Um, I think that's part of why Wedgworth is sitting there because Portugal, I think, you know, is basically a, a big social experiment. Um, they basically allow anything and everything that anybody wants to do. I mean, drugs are legal, uh, underage drinking is legal, everything like that. And then Morocco is the complete opposite, you know, even though it's just uh, separated by the Strait of Gibraltar, it's it's very strict on everything they do. So I think seeing the differences between how that has impacted the two countries, I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, obviously, too, Morocco is very similar latitude-wise, uh, where as as we as we grow our crops, so they grow a lot of the same type of crops. At least in my industry, the specialty fruit industry. Um, so looking forward to seeing how they, how they grow and the challenges that they have. Um, but, you know, obviously, honestly too, you know, I mean, our class has grown together better and, you know, or I say grown, grown closer together over time and being able to spend weeks with, with our group for, which is now three years, the Wedgeworth group, the longest Wedgeworth group ever will have that badge of honor. But, um, <laughs> Being able to spend it with everybody and kind of as our last trip, I think everybody's looking forward to um, kind of uh, having that international trip with what everybody talks about. So there's a lot of exciting stuff. So um, who knows what it will bring, but I'm sure that we are all going to learn a ton and our eyes will be open in ways we could have never imagined. So that's always exciting to be in, to be able to be part of a group like this. A special thanks to Derek and Michael for reflecting with us today and sharing their experiences from Kentucky. Up next, we're back in Florida for our next seminar visiting Plant City, Polk County, and the surrounding areas. We look forward to sharing those experiences with you as well. Thanks for listening.